The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. So if you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now or anytime during the show at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555, and we would love to hear from you. Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So we interact with our fellow humans on this journey we call life in a whole lot of different ways and for a variety of different reasons. And on this spiritual path, we ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? What's in it for us? Who are we trying to please, to impress, or to persuade, and why? And today, as we talk about motives, especially self-oriented motives, we'll begin by sharing our own experiences of discovery and working with our own internal motivations, and then move into the solution of integrity through authenticity. After the break, we'll share exactly how we used spiritual principles to build an amazing life and serenity through authenticity and trust. So, Lonnie, when you think back, uh, you know, it's very, very common, maybe even um, the most common thing to hear when we come into a 12-step program is that we are selfish and self-centered, which comes to news as news to many of us. <laughs> what was your experience with that? What, what was that like? for you to encounter that idea or to encounter that in yourself? Well, I had a real aversion to that term, you know, selfish and self-centered. Um, you know, uh, that was a bad word. It was a word used to manipulate me as a child. You know, if, if I wasn't doing what somebody wanted me to do, uh, I was told I was selfish. And, and the connotation around that was that it was not a good thing, that, that, it was, um, that I was bad, that I was wrong, that I was terrible. And so, you know, when I encountered that word when I walked into the rooms, that I'm selfish and self-centered, my, my aversion was, no, not, no, I'm not. You know, I don't get it. I don't see how this fits here. And I could see the self-centered part, but I didn't understand what they meant by selfish. You know, and when I, when I 
began this journey of self-discovery, I learned that part of that came from my survival instinct. What about me? What's going to happen to me? You know, and uh, and how that manifested in a number of different ways in my life. Yeah, you said what for me I think is the key phrase. You didn't see it. And yeah. that's exactly my experience. I did not see it. Uh, I think that's true about many aspects of uh, recovery, especially early on, you know, people in meetings talking about things that kind of made sense or maybe some stuff that didn't make sense at all or things that I thought I knew what they meant and then later come to find that it has layers and it gets deeper and deeper. And this was one of those things that, like, like you said, I, I didn't see it. I didn't realize. I know I say that every time we get together and talk about it. I didn't know. It's not as if I sat there and made a decision, like I had the ability to both be self-centered and not self-centered, and I chose self-centered. It's all I knew. It's like the fish in water. I didn't even know what it was, though. And so it, it was the beginning of a, of a journey of, uh, you know, growth and change and uh, realization uh, that happened over time. But the message was clear there in the, in the program, you know, that... This was a thing, and I thought, okay, well, we'll see what happens. I don't know where this is going, but I signed up for it, apparently, so here I am. And, you know, I found out a lot of things were a thing, you know, so I had this this whole journey in the program of, does this apply to me? Well, I wonder how this, what this looks like, you know, and being able to identify it in, in uh, certain situations and with other people and then reflect on how does that show up with me. And it helped a great deal when somebody told me that selfish w was a behavior around acting without regard for others. And that, while it was clarifying in one way, was also very confusing because I had a heavy dose of codependency as well. So I'm running around with always concerned about everybody else around me, you know, and, and my motive was to please them while I was getting what I wanted for myself. You know, and so it was a real mixed bag for me to untangle. That is very tricky because when we, I think it's just part of that mode of thinking and it shows up for us, it can show up for us, like you said, as, as a kind of selflessness, but it's a selfish selflessness, which of course is very, very hard to see. Um, I also realized uh, somewhere along the line, and this might be a, another thing I say all the time, it's not just us. We're not the only ones, meaning those of us in recovery or those of us with um, addiction issues are not the only ones in this world that carry around these issues. We're just the ones that hit a wall and are forced to look at these things. You know, there are folks that seemingly make it all the way through their whole life selfish and self-centered, and they never have the gift that we have, the opportunity to examine ourselves and our situation and make decisions uh, based on it. So that, that was one thing that I felt like I was hearing early on in the program was that, you know, this is how we are. This is how, uh, you know, alcoholics are. This is how drug addicts are. And what I was hearing is that's we're the only people who are like that. They're like, well, no, that's not really true. It is true that we are like that. But we're not the only ones like that. We do have a unique opportunity, though, to heal those things. And, you know, that's one reason why I, um, I feel fairly strongly that I am um, fortunate 
to be on this path. I feel it has been a huge opportunity and, and, and the opportunity is a blessing and I can't imagine, uh, going back, but yeah, nobody wants to hear that we're selfish and self-centered, let alone actually have to deal with that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's really difficult when something is culturally, um, endorsed. And when I, when I look around me, and um, you mentioned that we're not the only ones. And I see that in our culture, every advertisement, every self-help book, every how-to is how to get what I want, mm-hmm. how to get the job, how to get the girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, white picket fence, you know, more money. It, it's how do I get how, serenity? How do I get it? How do I get what I want in this life? And it seems like we're just inundated with that. And, you know, what I what I learned about myself was that I could shut some of that down, but I still had another motive, and that was to allay the fear that was driving me, you know, as, and it says in the literature, driven by a hundred forms of fear, and I found that I was driven by the fear that I was not going to get what I want or that I was going to lose what I have, and that for a long time was my motive. Absolutely. And, and I can, I could make that very same statement emphatically. And yes, yet again, that's another thing I didn't know because that's the only experience that I had, you know, and it is, it's like the, it's like trying to explain to a fish what water is. Fish has no idea what you're talking about because that's the only thing I've ever been in. But one way, so I asked myself, well, what did that look like? You know, what did that look like for me early on? And what it looked like is not basically not feeling okay in the world, you know, not feeling safe, not feeling, feeling settled, not feeling okay, unless I felt like, and felt like is important there, my needs were taken care of. And really, that does not leave a lot of room for serving other people, because if it ain't one thing, it's another. And if, uh, or not if, but given that my my life experience was generated by from inside me, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house, that kind of thing, that uh, it never ended. So there never came a time where I felt okay enough in the world to take my focus off of myself. And it took a long time. I mean, it took years for me to really see it that clearly. But that was my experience. I didn't feel okay unless I felt like my needs were taken care of, which was never. I echo that 100%. And you talked about what does this look like in, in your life? And you talked about your feelings. And, you know, I was, I was reckon, just remembering that it looked like for me, I'd be in a meeting and, and it would be on a topic and I'd be sitting there going, oh, call on me. Oh, call on me. I know the answer. Me, me, call on me first. You know, um, I was all about me. Now, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But it looked like I had to join every committee. Everything I wanted to be involved in everything that was going on, not so that I could serve, but so that I wouldn't be left out. I had this fear of not being a part of, not being accepted, not being liked, uh, not being included, you know, and that fear drove that behavior. And then uh, after many years in recovery, I found myself first in line at the potluck always. And I'm going, why am I doing this? You know, (laughs) there's plenty of food here. I'm going to get what I need, but yet I find myself first in line at the potluck, you know? And, and so it's things like that, that revealed themselves over time that showed me just how deeply this runs. You know, for me, it would be because I can't stand waiting. 
That, that's something that has gotten a lot better. But yeah, that, that idea that, well, I, I better get up there so, so it doesn't run out. I got that too. But also it's like, man, if I sit here another 30 seconds, there's going to be a giant line and I'm going to have to wait forever. But yeah, that's a great example of um, the way that uh, self-centeredness can show up in us uh, being first in line. I, I realized after some time and this is another, I guess you call this a gratitude thing. It takes a lot of work to be self-centered all the time. It takes a lot of energy to maintain that uh, focus and to be driven, as we say, by uh, all those forms of fear. And uh, I know that I'm grateful today to, that I don't have to spend that kind of energy, that amount of energy, uh, maintaining um, that way of being in the world that was not, you know, not coming from a, a positive place, just definitely coming from, as you shared, a fear of, I don't want to lose what I have, or, or I'm afraid, and this was big for me, that I'm not going to get what it is that I'm after, and that I want, and, and, you know, that, that, what would that mean? I don't know, but it would be very, very bad, and I better avoid it at all costs, so I better uh, make sure that I, take care of myself, um, put myself first, make sure I get what I need so that I can be okay. And like I said before, uh, it never happened because when, when one, and it's not that needs were never satisfied, they were, but there's just always yet another set, you know, when, when whatever's in front of me at the moment becomes resolved, oop, there's a whole nother thing right there behind it. Never ending, never ending cycle. Well, that was another thing that I heard when I first came in. Is that a need or is that a want? You know, and in my life, everything was a need. Uh, it, it took me a long time to sort that out, you know, which is a little bit off the topic here. But I learned that how to get what I want in life, you don't ask for it. That's embarrassing, you know. So what I did was uh, learned deceit and manipulation, how to talk you into giving me what I want when you, I think that you think you're doing it for some other reason. And that was just, you know, which leads into the dishonesty with which I entered the program. Absolutely. And I think that will come up in a little bit. But so now that we know about this challenge that we call selfishness or uh, selfish motivations, what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of reality is governed by spiritual principle. And a spiritual principle is an unchanging truth that determines how our life experience unfolds. Unity, in fact, is founded on spiritual principles, and we understand the essence of God to be that of principle or divine law, we say. So whenever we're seeking to change our life experience, we look to discover the spiritual principle or principles that underlie our current experience so we can work with them to co-create a new experience. So the spiritual principle that can guide our healing from selfishness is authenticity. And so that's what we want to focus on today. But like with many spiritual principles, we might ask, well, what does that mean? What does that actually look like in and around me? And how do I know if I'm practicing or experiencing it? So Dan, would you share a little bit about how this principle of authenticity shows up for you? Yeah, uh, and I asked myself that question that you just said, what does this look like? And over time, uh, you know, I, I kind of, it became clearer, you know, the, the light goes on a little bit at a time and what was once dim becomes somewhat clearer. And uh, one way that I've seen this, like we do with many, is, well, what does it not look like? 
And one thing um, that authenticity does not look like is it's not the same thing as being agreeable, you know, being people pleasing or um, always, um, you know, being, oh, I don't know how to describe it, just agreeable, I guess. And some of the most authentic people I know can be very challenging because being authentic, as you said, means being honest and being honest you know, if I'm telling the truth about my experience or my situation or my views or whatever, um, that might not always sit well with others. And that, in fact, is one of the challenges and one of the um, potential blocks of increasing our authenticity is, well, well, what if they don't like me? Um, and so what it does not look like is uh, go along to get along agreeableness. It means what it does look like is uh, honesty. And so that brings up, you know, the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other. And so now I'm being brutally honest, you know, about about whatever's going on in my life or more likely whatever I see going on in your life. And, you know, well, it's a program of honesty, so I have to tell you about it. Right. You know, and that's that's not uh, what we're talking about here either that type of authenticity, um, you know, and, and when we start, at least when I started practicing principles and trying to strive toward these ideals, um, it was pretty awkward and kind of messy. And more than once, somebody would say to me, well, you just said such and so, and I saw you do something else. What's that about? You know, and and I realized that that the journey toward authenticity begins with the honesty you're talking about, but I was only cash register honest. I wasn't able to, at that point, always make my words and actions match. You know, if I made a commitment, did I keep it or did I make an excuse to get out of it? Did I say yes because I was standing in front of somebody and and I knew they wanted me to go, but I didn't really want to go, but I said yes anyway? You know, I mean, there were things like that that I had to go, oh, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I like that concept and that phrase of cash register honest because, you know, authenticity and honesty and all these principles uh, run very deeply and, and they look like one thing on the surface, but then a layer below that, it shifts and then three layers deep, it shifts again. And so being honest in that I'm not going to take money out of your wallet when you're not looking level of honesty is very different than like the example that you gave that I am going to act according to how I actually feel and not pretend otherwise to avoid uh, what I might see as a conflict. And and that thing about, uh, you know, uh, somewhere uh, somebody said, uh, either my sponsor or somebody else's, that if I want to identify the source of the problems that I'm experiencing in my life, there's this magical portal called a, a mirror, that if I go look in the mirror, I will see the source. I didn't like that, but man, is that true? Because uh, that's sort of the corollary of something you just shared. The best way for me to avoid looking at myself is for me to make a habit of looking at you. Hey, let me make a list of all the things that person's not doing right, or this meeting doesn't go right, or they don't even know how to pass the basket. All of those things are ways that I can avoid the work uh, which begins with a willingness to look in the mirror and to recognize that, you know what, the the reason I feel the way I feel is not because of what that person just said or this person or whatever. This runs deeply in myself and in my own history. And so that's where I need to look in order to begin to, uh, you know, create healing conditions, 
as I like to think of it. And so the next thing after they said, look in the mirror that I heard was, well, if you spot it, you got it. And so if I'm looking around, pointing my finger at you, where is it in me? And, and that took a little bit of a journey, but I, I was able to use that tool. Um, actually, I think at church, they, they taught me how to use this tool. Look for authenticity in people, what I would define as authentic and in, within integrity. This person, why is it that I admire them so? Well, they always do what they say they're going to do. They always come through, you know, not in a heroic way, but in a quiet, understated, this is who I am type of way. I admired that. And so they taught me to look for those things in others and then see where I could find that within myself. I think also for me, when I ask, what does authenticity look like? And you touched on this too. It, it means telling the truth, both internally to myself and to people around me, but not at the expense of other people, which is itself just another uh, form of selfishness showing up. So that thing that says, oh, well, I'm going to be rigorously honest, which means I really don't, that shirt you're wearing is really ugly, and I don't think you should wear that hat, and you're not doing this step right, and I'm just being honest. Well, I'm being honest at the expense of someone else, and what I need to be doing is looking at those things about myself. Am I, how am I working the steps? Am I uh, showing up in a way that is right and good for me here and now at this time. Um, it's ironic that uh, it takes a lot of focus on oneself to heal from being focused on oneself all the time. That's a, a paradox I'm not sure I could explain yet today, that the solution to being self-centered is to focus on yourself to create the conditions for that to be healed. Well, and I think that points to something we've talked about before, and that's awareness. You know, it's really difficult to change our life circumstances, our the way we show up in the world, if we're not aware of how it how we are at the moment, or that it needs to change. Either way, and so the enough um, wherewithal in terms of tools to be able to do some self-focus. And for me, that, that happened to be the, the communities around me and the tools of the steps and the inventories and such. You know, and the, and the first step, the principle is honesty, but it was the fifth step before we got to the principle of integrity. You know, who am I when nobody's looking? You know, I mean, in, in the first step for honesty, for me, it was more about you know, my words and actions matching and then lining up some motives as well. But by the time I got to step five with integrity, you know, who, who am I? I didn't, I hadn't, when I entered the program, I did not have a clue who I was. I was so busy pleasing everybody else in the world and doing what I needed to to survive that I had lost my identity. I didn't have a clue. And so learning what is in integrity, you know, I had to, by that point in time, switch to, I want to live by spiritual principles. That is my goal because I didn't have a basis prior to that. Yeah, sometimes, well, you know, we talk about getting our sanity back, and I thought, I'm not sure if I'm getting it back. I may be just getting it for the first time. <laughs> and uh, this reminds me of um, that concept of principles versus personalities, and that sort of litmus test question. Uh, and you had asked, what, you know, what, how am I when I'm by myself is one way to kind of begin to get at uh, what's going on, or, you know, would I do this differently for this person versus for that person? If that person asked me for such and such, 
would I respond differently than if this other person asked me for such and such? Because if so, then I might be acting out of personalities and not out of principles instead of, um, you know, removing any particular individual people from it and saying, well, what is right in this situation, regardless of who's asking? And then let me ask in that way. So that's, that's a way that authenticity looks is placing principles ahead of personalities, I think. Oh, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and, and again, for me, it was a journey of awareness of where am I not doing that so that I could then uh, make the, the effort to, to do the changes that were required in order to, to move toward that. You know, and, and I think another piece of authenticity for me has to be that I, know, I can own all of it. You know, I, I know what is right. I know what is good. I know what is lacking. I know what I'm working on. I don't have to hide anything. Neither do I have to boast from the treetops, you know, that, but I can, I can, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable in my skin yet with, with beginnings of authenticity, but I'm getting there. I can own who I am because I have the self-awareness and I have the, done the discovery to know what that looks like. I think that authenticity requires a fairly deep, uh, um, uh, you know, deep self-knowledge. And that's something that we learn along the way. In my experience, that's something I've learned along the way on a, on a recovery path. It's just simply by showing up, you know, one, one meeting at a time, one interaction at a time. And also by... Uh, maintaining my own spiritual practices. You know, if I, if I have a self-reflection practice, call it prayer and meditation, uh, that's one way that it can show up. Then one little observation at a time, I can sort of begin to see the patterns in the ways that I show up in the world, which for me, for example, is one of the reasons that the Enneagram is so powerful. I mean, I don't know who wrote that, but when I read mine, I'm like, how did they know this about me? That they, these people have been going through my mail and my trash, what is going on? But the upside of it is that, um, you know, any kind of uh, anything that can aid us in a deeper understanding of ourselves, of our own wiring, so to speak, of our own motivations can be a super helpful um, element on our on our path to healing. Because I can't be authentic if I don't know what my deal is. You know, if I don't know what's going on with me, why do I act this way? Why did I say what I said? What do I what do I need to do to show up differently in the world? You know, often I'll I'll know that I want to show up differently long before I know how to and you just sit there in that uncomfortable place saying uh yeah i, I kind of know what i would like to be i see it in that person over there but i don't know how to get there how do you get there from here well, let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation the phone number is 816-251-3555 please stay with us You're listening to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment by Ed McShane, a coach for your heart. I used to belong to the If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands Club. These days, given the person I live with, it's a little closer to If You're Happy and You Know It, just be okay with that. My actions of unbridled excitement and happiness need not necessarily be seen. I can express my joy with the bathroom door closed and the shower running. I don't need another person to experience my demonstration of joy for my feelings to have meaning to me. This doesn't mean that you should suppress your expression of joy, not in the least. Others can just see and feel your joy through your energy. Joy can be peaceful, active, loud, expressive, warm, and silent. There can be great peace in joy. Sometimes, decide to embrace it with genuine confidence within the serenity joy can bring. To find out more about A Coach for Your Heart, visit acoachforyourheart.com. Experts say picking up a pen and paper and writing things down can have some amazing benefits. Spark some creativity by sketching, doodling, and writing down what you want in life with a set of Unity Inspiration Notepads. They come in three inspirational designs with themes of gratitude, intention setting, and visualization. These are great tools to keep on your desk and use every day. Just $12.99 for a set of three. Pick up yours today at unityonline.org shop. Follow UnityOnlineRadio.org on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and stay up to date with everything Unity. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our inspirational messages and posts. Be the first to find out about any big special guests on the radio, giveaways, or events at Unity Village. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. We want to hear from you. Take a trip with Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central and tune in to World Spirituality. A lifelong student and practitioner of many world spiritual teachings, Paul guides you to the unity and common values shared by all world religions. We really are all connected. Take a journey with Paul and explore our planet's spiritual landscape with insight, humor, and practical advice for all. Join the show with your question or comment right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. 
And prior to the break, we were discussing self-centeredness, what that looks like in us, especially when we first show up on the recovery path. And also about authenticity, it's kind of the antidote to self-centeredness. What does that look like? How did we learn to spot that? Um, so Lonnie, now that we know about this challenge of uh, self-centeredness or selfish motivations and that the solution is authenticity, how exactly can we use authenticity to experience a better life, serenity in our lives? Well, you know, for me, it's still, it's still a journey and it's still work. I have to say all too often, my first thought is still, well, how's that going to affect me? You know, when somebody says something or does something. But today I have a choice about how I react to that thought. And I think that that's where the big difference in my life has been. I can make a choice as to pretend I have better motives or than that or to be manipulative or I can choose to be authentic. I can choose to say, gosh, gee, I really don't know. Or um, I'm going to need to think about that. Or perhaps I could get some help with that. Um, you know, I don't have to show up in a way that uh, assumes manipulation and deceitfulness today. You know, what comes to mind is that wonderful poem, Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. You know, it, it begins uh, that I walk down the street and there's a hole and I fall in and I'm lost and helpless. It takes forever and slowly progresses to the 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 very best line in the whole thing chapter 5 i walk down a different street and that's what i'm hearing you, you share is that oh, over time we learn and and we are still learning uh, and we develop the power of choice you know addiction is one definition one way to look at it is a lack of choice and my experience is the same i mean i i will often still have initial reactions that are the same or very similar um, to what they had been. They're much quieter. They have much less power over me. I have many more options uh, from that point, whereas in the past, maybe that was the only way that I had to encounter life or a situation. I now have a choice. So it's it's like um, I will often teach that, you know, uh, in my opinion, we are not uh, working on our spiritual paths here in unity to eliminate uh, fear from our lives. We're here to eliminate unnecessary fear, which is almost all of it. But there are times when uh, being afraid presents a very important message. And what it says is pay attention. That's all. If I get all wrapped up in it, if I create suffering from that pain, as the Buddhists would say, uh, well, you know, now I'm now I'm lost. I'm all I'm all caught up in it. But if I can just take it for what it is and say, oh, look, somebody said something and I felt really irritated. Well, guess what? I'm not going down that road or the second or, you know, I'm going to hopefully I'm going to go down a different road this time. But it still it starts up the same. Uh, that doesn't mean that I haven't done my work. It doesn't mean that I haven't made progress. Uh, I have because uh, what happens is that's not the only way that I can respond. I have a choice now. It's okay if it pops up the same old ways. What's important is it doesn't stay the same old ways. I think that's a really important uh, distinction because at least when I first came in, um, I, I wanted to be well by next week. You know, I wanted to get these things figured out. I wanted to get them under control. I wanted to get them on a list and I wanted to start marking them off. And that's not the way that the program or spiritual unfoldment in general has worked for me. And 
It also seems to me that the same lesson comes by again on a deeper level. Okay, we got the first layer on this. Now let's work on the second layer or the third or the fifth or the 25th. You know, and so those are the opportunities I have to respond differently, to make a choice, to decide to engage the tools that I have today that I did not have back then in order to make a, a different decision. You know, one of the things I realize is that today when I feel like I have confusion in my life, part of it is, is I'm not clear on my motives. You know, I'm not clear about why do I want to do that or why do I not want to do that? You know, how much selfishness is tied up in that or how much manipulation or fear? You know, all of those things are the, are the things that create the confusion in my mind. And when I can use some of the tools like prayer and meditation, for example, and get clear on where am I on this thing that's bothering me, then the confusion seems to drop away. You know, that idea of uh, something not being done the first trip around and, and, and coming back in a, a deeper, in a deeper sense or at a deeper level, it reminds me, you know, we, uh, the house that I live in now, uh, my wife and I bought about a year ago, we moved in and we've done lots of things like you do when you move into a house and painting. And the front door used to be green, kind of a dark Heather, uh, Hunter green, and um, and Heather uh, chose yellow for it. We also painted the shutters, and 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 the improvements have been wonderful. But uh, so you get the yellow paint, and you paint the green door yellow, and you come back later and say, I can still see the green. I, I already painted. Okay, I'll paint it again. You paint <laughs> again, again. I swear, I was beginning to wonder how many coats of this yellow paint do we have to use to cover this green. Well, you never know. You don't know until you do it. And sometimes you think, oh well, okay, two coats will do it. No, I'm telling you, it was five or six by the time it was done. And that's kind of how things are sometimes. You know, when we want to change the way that we show up. Um, we, we take a pass, we learn some things, we employ some new practices and ways of being, and then turn around. It's like, wait a second, I can still see it there. What's going on? It's not quite exactly the same, but it's still there, I can tell. And so it, I guess recovery is like painting a green door yellow. You know, it's, it's <laughs> probably not done in, in just one pass. Uh, when I asked... Uh, myself that question that we led with how how I've created serenity in my life using the spiritual power of authenticity. I'm going to share something I learned from a, a teacher that's very helpful to me and to ask oneself this question. Is this drama worth even one moment of my serenity? I'm going to make a conscious choice. Is this drama worth even one moment of my serenity? And rather than just get pulled into it, if I can pause for a moment, take a breath and and open the door to having a choice, um, a lot of times I might say, no, you know what? This drama is not worth one moment of my serenity. I'm not going to give it up. Or sometimes uh, another way that this shows up in us is if... Um, if, say, uh, we get frustrated with what's going on out in the world, especially this comes up a lot with politics, it's like, well, you know, you know what's worse than that person doing or saying whatever they did is me letting that person live in my mind for free. I'm letting them do it. That's what's worse. And so, okay, they're going to do what they're going to do. But do I have to then 
carry it around forever? No, I have a choice. Is this drama worth one moment of my serenity? No, it is not. And so what I hear you talking about are uh, one of my favorite tools, and it's called boundaries. You know, what you're talking about is an emotional and a mental boundary. And, um, you know, those those are things that I didn't know existed. And then I had to learn what they are. And then I had to learn how to set them. And then I had to learn how to keep them. And part of the thing with an obsessive mind, like we typically have, um, is that, you know, my mind revisits it. It keeps going back to it. And so for me, to learn to live in serenity, to have peace through through this, is to admit that. No, nope, I'm back there again. Okay, what do I got to do? You know, and it and it may be that I have to revisit a prayer a hundred times in a row. It may be that I have to make another phone call or two or three or five. It may be that I need to go to another meeting. But for me, almost always I have to interrupt that obsession with an action. I have to I have to do something different to change the channel in my mind in order to let the obsession uh, get loose, if you will, you know, to, to let go of it, um, that power of release. It did not come easy to me. And you mentioned one in saying you're not going there. You know, when somebody brings up a topic, you don't take the bait. Not going there. Not talking about that. It's not not what I'm not what I'm about today. I didn't know how to do that when I first got in the program. And so, learning boundaries has been a critical piece of knowing who I am, um, informing others that this is this is about who I am, and defending those boundaries. Defends too strong of a word, probably, but but teaching those boundaries. As to this, this is where how far I'll go. This is who I am. This is what is okay with me. This is what is not okay with me, and then being able to keep those. Yeah, that that takes a lot of self knowledge and a lot of practice. I can see how that would really only develop over time. And again, the, you know, the 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 truly powerful gifts of this path are the ones that do develop over time and do take time because those are the ones that have the most to give. You know, those are the ones that run most deeply. Um, I have found that self-care has been critical for me for creating the conditions where self-centeredness can heal and be transformed, if you will, into authenticity. And, and this was not a concept that I understood. I understood the concept of you know, wanting to close the door on all of the things on my to-do list and on my calendar. Um, that was, I certainly had a strong motivation there, but what I did not have were um, some solid, healthy ways to um, deal with those things. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I chose what for me was the um, attractive path. You know, it's I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have a drink than walk around the block because it's just a lot easier <laughs> to have a drink than walk around the block. Let alone, what am I going to go to the gym? Are you crazy? Why would I do that? Um, and so, you know, creating a, a self care um, a plan, I guess, really, because it's not just one thing; it's a set of things. It it can be who I talk to on a regular basis during the week. It could be uh, a meditation and prayer practice. It could be, um, I have a very strong Sabbath practice that's very important to me, and I'm, I'm really pretty good about um, maintaining it. And th that one has probably been most critical. But, to, you know, as I slowly developed and learned what it meant 
self-care and that it was okay to do and that it's not selfish to do what I need to do to make sure that I can then show up for others. It's wise to take care of oneself so that we can show up for others. And I see that as creating the conditions for healing to happen. Because if for me, uh, and everyone's different, but for me, if I go, 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 busy, busy all the time, uh, the way that my mind is wired, um, that's very stressful. And I, and I, I cannot do that day after day, week after week, month after month. Uh, I have to be able to uh, breathe in a way that, that works for me. And again, this is different for everyone. Each of us creates our own uh, self-care uh, regimen, if you will, that's appropriate. But by doing so, I create healing conditions. What happens in those healing conditions is that self-centeredness gets healed and authenticity can then come in its place. You know, and I'm glad you brought up the selfishness versus self-care because that was a real live question for me. Um, you know, at the beginning is, how do I know if I'm being selfish? I need to go take a nap. How do I know if I'm being selfish? I need to go eat dinner. I don't care what you're doing, you know. And and so um, that that was an evolution of understanding, but it got crystal clear when somebody just just uh, said, you always take care of halt first, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those physical and emotional things set the basis for how I show up in the world. And if I am not taking care of those, I cannot be of service to others. I cannot show up the way that I want to show up. And so always start with those. So I guess in a way, I got permission to take care of myself. I was told that I needed to do these things first. And then from there, it moved on. Talking about boundaries, that's, an, that's emotional self-care. You know, for me, it was about, about um, no, you can't talk to me like that. No, you're not going to yell at me. You know, things of that nature. No, I'm not going to engage in an argument with you. Um, you know, so learning what, how, how to take care of myself in those different realms, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, uh, mental. One of the things that I learned was that self-care for me meant I didn't watch television. Mm -hmm. I don't watch scary movies. I don't go to, you know, I don't watch the news. I, I don't go to late night, uh, even meetings because my mind grabs onto something and it holds it and it replays it. And, you know, it, it becomes an emotional event for me. And that's not what I want, I want to do with my life. And so I had to learn in each of those realms, including spiritual self-care, what did that look like? What do I need to do for me that then enables me to show up and be of service in the world? I love that. And what I'm hearing is you're describing what could be seen as some practices. You know, sometimes a practice is not doing a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we think of a practice as, well, I am going to sit and meditate each morning or what have you. But it can also be the kind of things that you said, I'm not going to watch television news, for example. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that um, many of us in recovery have minds that grab onto ideas and you know if if i've got if i got a lot going on sometimes it literally will keep me up at night you know and i think did i drink coffee late in the day no i really didn't that's not what's going on here something else is going on here um we've said before how authenticity is rooted in honesty and i can view honesty as a spiritual practice and so i practice it as a spiritual practice. And, and as we shared before, that doesn't mean that, um, oh, 
you're not you're not working your program right, and I know what you should be doing, and so I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to come up to you and tell you uh, where it is you're doing things wrong and what it is you should be doing. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. If I had that thought, which I do sometimes, um, uh, what honesty means is, oh, I want to go over and tell that person what to do. Isn't that interesting? Why do I feel like it's my job somehow to go and tell that person that they're not doing this step right or they're not doing that right? I mean, it could be anything, right? It shows up in the way people drive on the highway. You know, left lanes for passing only. You know, wake up. Um, why do I feel like I need to do? So that's the kind of honesty that I'm talking about. The honesty that says, oh, look, I, I, really, uh, I, I really think I should go uh, do this or do that or try to change someone else's behavior or situation. What is up with that? That's an honest question. Even if I don't have the answer, it's, it's much, much better than going up to the person and saying, you know what your problem is? I know you're about to ask me, even though you didn't ask yet. You need to, trust me. Uh, here's what you need to be doing. Uh, it's, uh, it's honest for me to acknowledge that uh, within myself. And so, hey, I'm, I'm putting one foot in front of the other, walking down the road, practicing the spiritual practice of honesty. Um, even though the same thoughts are popping up in my head, I'm making different choices around them. Well, and I hear you changing your focus to what is it about you instead of what is it about the other person, you know, and that, and that goes back to the awareness piece I was speaking about earlier, or as um, Reverend Robert Brummett would say, just notice. When you start noticing these things, they start changing. But I have to be aware that, that it's popped up. You know, and so one of the major tools that helped me with um, authenticity in, in addressing these kind of situations is questioning myself. You know, and the questions might be along the same line that you just discussed. Well, what's up with that? Why am I thinking that? Uh, why, I was told, was a pretty useless question. But it is the genesis of all the other questions that are um, what I call inventory questions. You know, why am I reacting like that? Why do I have that type of a feeling? Uh, why do I feel like behaving in this way? Um, I may not have the answer to why, but the fact that I am noticing that I am in that place and acknowledging and owning that then allows me to address the things that come up because of that. And, you know, in the program, we're really big on inventories. And, you know, along a spiritual path of any type, there's a lot of self-examination, you know, and, and I think those things are helpful in whatever situation, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's in a particular emotional situation that might come up throughout the day or whether it is a once in a while I'm going to go on retreat and just think about my life and see where I am type of thing. Inventories has been very helpful for me uh, because it helps me stay honest with myself. You know, there's a principle in, in all recovery that I know of in that in order to recover from whatever substance or behavior we're doing, we have to stop using that substance or that behavior. As much as I would love to have uh, learned about all of this uh, while I was drinking, uh, the truth is none of this would have been possible at all had I not first stopped. And so... One thing I need to do to grow authenticity, which leads to serenity. You know, it occurs to me, serenity is not something I can directly uh, create. 
I can create the conditions for serenity. And one of them we're talking about today is authenticity. And one of the tools for creating authenticity or the conditions for it is honesty. Now, that's something I can uh, get, get at directly. So I, I got to stop doing the things that block the growth of authenticity. Um, so I might have a kind of a fill in the blank quiz in order to heal from blah, I have to stop doing what? Uh, it's just jumped in my head. The weirdest thing, you know, I'm not, I'm somewhat woo woo. I'm not particularly woo woo. I'm, I'm woo. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I'm just, wah. I'm not even woo, but other times I'm, I'm pretty woo woo. And, um, I, you know, did the whole practice turning within and asking myself, uh, what do I need to do to not be in debt, you know, financial debt in my life? And instantly and clear as day, in a, just a fraction of a moment, the answer was put right in front of me. And it was, quit smoking. And I thought, what the heck does that have anything to do with financial debt? And I don't feel like it. That was the other thing. I don't like that answer. I want another answer. Well, you know what? Fast forward, and honestly, it was some years I did release all the financial debt from my life and I turned around and I realized, guess what coincided with that? I quit smoking. Un unbelievable. You know, it's just a woo woo thing. And so if I want to heal fill in the blank, I might have to stop doing fill in the blank, whether I like it or not, whether it seems related or not. You know, we, we have got to take action in, in order to change our life experience. Well, I think that's that evolutionary path that we're talking about um, that unfolds, that we take one step and something changes. You know, uh, you, you make a two-degree turn because instead of doing the same thing that you do every day, now you changed one thing, and it changes the trajectory. And so then our life starts to change, and, and it starts with the little tiny things like stop drinking, stop smoking, stop watching TV, you know, whatever it is that that has uh, contributed to the chaos in our life, when we stop that, then uh, it, it makes enough of a trajectory change that in a while, you know, a few weeks, months, years, it's a whole totally different ballgame. You know, for me, remaining centered on spiritual principles guided my life from the beginning. I, I couldn't grasp this idea of a higher power that was a you know, a guy in the sky, and I, I didn't, didn't work for me, the, my childhood faith tradition, and I heard all these other things, and that didn't make sense to me either, but I could grasp onto what does honesty look like, what does integrity look like, what does authenticity look like, you know, um, what, what do each of these spiritual principles that I'm trying to live by look like, and when I apply those to a given situation in my life, my life started changing. And so, you know, one of those is, is a spiritual principle of faith, you know, and so I had to choose to act like I believed what I said I believed. And that yes. made a difference. Well, let's now move into action. Funny you should mention that because unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from living out of a concern mostly for ourselves to living a life of serenity using the spiritual power of authenticity. So think of a way that you may be responding to life in a self-centered manner even now. 
Is there something in the way that you interact with a spouse or a partner that may be out of balance in this way? What are your motives with the people you work with? What about your family of origin or with your spiritual family? What's important is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on in this exercise. The idea is to relax and to just let it be easy. And you can take what you learn here today into your life this week and return to it any time in order to find a moment of peace. So let's use the example of putting oneself first in a close friendship or a romantic relationship. Use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to selfish motives. You could say something like, fear does not define me or my behavior in the world. Repeat it a few times in your head or say it aloud and say it with conviction. Fear does not define me or my behavior in this world. And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, I act in authentic ways through the loving power and presence of my higher power. And then take a few quiet moments just to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Fear does not define me or my behavior in the world. I act in authentic ways through the loving power and presence of my higher power. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something that can help you on your recovery path. Thank you to all our listeners, and bless you. we bless you on your recovery journey. And we thank Dan, my co-host, Reverend Dan, for the insights that were shared in our discussion today. And listeners, again, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.